What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski here as well. How you doing, Rich? I'm gravy, baby. Uh, it's Fourth uh, of July coming up, and we're about to hit it. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Excited to celebrate this beautiful country of ours. Oh yeah, I saw my fireworks early tonight, and I'm excited for this episode. We're gonna kind of go through the teams and what has happened to them in regards to free agency and any draft picks that were major in that regard as well. And there's going to be a bit more to change, like Kawhi is still up in the air, but it's going to be fun to go through and recap this crazy offseason. Just at the top, wanted to mention that the California Classic wrapped up today here in Sacramento. Um, we're going to push off the coverage of that a couple of days just so we can get Blake Ellington on. Uh, he's the reporter uh, on the ground, in the locker room for the uh, Sacktown Royalty guys. Um, and he's going to bring some great insight to, to that. He showed me around this week uh, over there, Golden One Center. And uh, just pretty excited to have him on because he's a guy that that actually knows these players on a personal basis. And uh, I know I, I gained a lot of knowledge from him just as far as who these guys are, uh, who these players are as, as people, which is something that uh, is easy to forget at times when we're doing a lot of the analysis. But uh, today we just wanted to talk a little bit about the way things shook out uh, on a league-wide basis. Uh, does that is that right, Brennan? Yeah, pretty much. I think that we were going to lightning round through the East a little bit just so that we have that covered and then dive into the West a little bit more and sort of treat it as a – Check on the rest of the league to see. Obviously, we know that the Kings improved. They had a great free agency so far, filled a lot of holes, but a lot of things changed. So how are they going to rank up compared to the rest of the 29 other teams in the league? Right, because that's the question now. Uh, and it was really the question last year as well. But, you know, the Kings uh, have improved greatly. And we expect them to improve again because – uh, as we talked about in our last podcast, we were, you know, we, we love the moves they made in free agency, but the question is, uh, who's going to fall out of the playoff picture? So we're going to run down the East Conference real quick emphatically. And Brendan, if you can tell us if you think that they're better, worse, about the same, the East isn't going to matter so much, uh, as far as the King stuff goes, but we want to just touch on it. So, you know, for the guys that have left the Western Conference, um, because I do think there's a decent, decent case you can make that, uh, some really good players stayed East or went East. Yep. And like you said, you want to start, uh, alphabetically going East, go right ahead. Let's jump into this. 
Yeah, so not much here in free agency, but uh, I think you're going to cover some of the draft guys as well. So let's start off with Atlanta. The Atlanta Hawks, they better or are the same? You said not much in free agency. This is a near max level guy that got let, added to Atlanta. Chandler Parsons. <laughs> but no, just moved in salary. It was Solomon Hill and uh, my, uh, one of their big guys. I think that it was a Miles. Leonard. Yeah, Miles uh, Leonard. Plumley. Plumley. There you go. My bad. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's mainly the draft picks. I think DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish will be interesting on this team as well. But that's going to be their starting five along with Trey Young, John Collins, Kevin Herter. I think they're exciting and I really like them on the shoulders of Trey Young the same way that the Kings are on the shoulder of De'Aaron Fox. And I think that they're better because of the jump from those guys. I see them as potentially a bottom playoff seed in the East. It's a stretch. Yeah, that's interesting because there's going to be some growth from guys like Collins and Trey. If Trey has a second year jump, you know, similar to Fox, then it's, uh, yeah, it's playoff times in the East. And that's, that's the benefit of the East. But, um, I'm going to say that they're about the same or perhaps even a tiny bit worse just when it comes to wins. Um, just because I think that you're adding more rookies to the team, like they're, they're still fully in rebuild mode. They're still fully, I think they'd be happy to uh, kind of pseudo tank. And you see that sort of stuff with the Chandler Parsons <laughs> acquisition. And uh, they're fine to just position themselves to continue to add talent. So, uh, but yeah, no movement here as far as East to West. They did uh, have one more trade, actually. They had that Evan Turner, Kent Bazemore, which was kind of a head shaker right. for me from Atlanta's point of view. Yeah. I mean, this is. I totally agree. I think that Bazemore is the better player. And to me, that it's just what I'm talking about as far as uh, they just want to position themselves with the right assets, the right negative assets. Like they want to move the right chunks of contracts around. Yeah. They're happy to, to get a little bit worse. Like if that's the situation, I think they're cool with it. So, um, yeah, but not much to talk about there. So let me ask you about uh, – uh, your boys over there, the Boston Celtics. Record-wise, I think they stay about the same, maybe a little bit worse here because they did underperform last year with the roster. I think that Kemba and Kyrie is going to be about a lateral move in regards to production, even though I do think that uh, Kyrie is a better player. But losing Horford is a big hit. Um, I worry about the Celtics' defense. But I think regular season-wise, if they might decrease a bit, but it's not going to be that different. I agree with you here because the last version of the Celtics was more talented, but they underperformed. And I think that this could be a team that if they perform how they're supposed to, that'll probably look pretty much the same in terms of the standings. So yeah, yeah, I I don't have much to add there. So uh, we can move on to the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn's interesting to me because I mean, we saw how Kyrie was leading a team last year. Maybe it's different, but him replacing D'Lo, I think, obviously is an upgrade. But how much? I think you're going to lose some production from guys like Lavert because the ball will be in Kyrie's hands a little more. I think Brooklyn gets a little bit better here, but it's not going to be that notable. They finished 42 wins last year. I'd put them in like a 45, maybe 48 range. Yeah, I I don't uh, disagree either. I think that people are getting a little bit ahead of themselves uh, with Brooklyn being so good right away. I think that 
Russell meant a lot to that team. He's not an amazing player, not an elite player, maybe not even a max level guy, even though he got paid that. Um, but Kyrie, I just, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say I about know. Kyrie. Yeah, you, you do know, <laughs> yeah. No, that's totally fair. I, I have a question for you. Do you think that there's a chance they'll start DeAndre Jordan over Jared Allen? Yeah, I mean, that feels like a chance. That terrifies me. Why? And, and, yeah, exactly. And and Durant, you know, I mean, obviously not going to contribute this year. And if he does, it won't affect the regular season standing. So, uh, yeah. But but I'll, I will say here, as far as this East-West thing goes, it's a good thing that Durant went East. Yeah, and I'm happy. I, I want that to even out a little bit. And they got some okay pieces in like a Tory and Prince, uh, Wilson Chandler, Garrett Temple. So I think that, and they still have Spencer Dinwiddie. They've had nice guys around them. So I think that they are deep, but they kind of remind me of what that last year's Celtics team roster looks like, but still a little less talented, I'd say. Uh, yeah, that's a great analogy. I think that they are far more talented than they were last year. But they also brought in a couple guys that are a little bit of knuckleheads at times. So, you know, as, as far as team chemistry goes, that stuff matters. I do expect them to win a few more games, but but not significant. And then uh, we got the next team on oh, this yeah. list is uh, the poor, poor God. Charlotte Hornets. Honestly, this is my worst team in the league next year. Um, Terry Rozier getting $19 million is uh, nothing but laughable because I, I just can't believe it. Um, maybe he comes into his own a little bit, getting to take every single shot, but probably not. They lost Jeremy Lamb, who was probably their second best player. Miles um, Bridges and P.J. Washington, those two guys could be decent. I'm not very high on Malik Monk. They don't have anything going on. They have terrible contracts. They didn't pay Kemba and didn't get anything for him by trading him at the deadline last year. Like I said, this to me is the worst team in the league. You know that I'm super low on Rozier, and I don't you know, blame you. Yeah, Malik Monk is a is a low key bust. Like he's it's underrated how much of a bust he's been. Yeah, um, and yeah, that team is. What's crazy is that team's not even like young guys. Like they're not even rebuilding. No. They're just pay, <laughs> like paying Biombo. It's terrible. Michael they're just K. paying. Gilchrist. 28 year olds with no talent, like $20 million. Like that's their whole, that's their whole roster right now. Um, it is rough and I feel some sympathy because I think the Kings were in that mode, uh, maybe eight years ago or so when it was like they didn't even make the, the, they didn't even spend the money or, or the resources to try to improve. So yeah. it's, it's a bad situation all around there, but, um, yeah, nothing, nothing really to say about that, except for that when when we did all the free agent breakdowns uh, and I predicted the salaries for every player, Rozier was by far the guy I was most off on, and I think that that's more on them than on me. Because- 100%. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. The, easily the worst contract. Easily. That's, a, that's an awful, awful contract. Yeah. But, um, yeah, let's move over to – uh, a team that got a guy, a, a different point guard that we actually preferred for cheaper, yeah. uh, the Chicago Bulls. 
I like it. And the guy you were referring to was Sadoransky, and they also got Kobe White, but point guards take a little bit of time to adjust to the NBA. I would think Sadoransky um, is going to play or is going to take a lot of that load at the one. And they brought Thaddeus Young in as well. I think that that's going to do nice for their defense. They remind me of Atlanta a little bit, where I think they could be sneakily competing for an eight seed this year, but I do put them below the Atlanta level because I don't see a leader. Um, like, I guess you would say that it's Zach Levine, but that's not the same level as a Trey Young for me. So I like what Chicago's building a little bit here. They have a nice young core, five players, but it, it, they still need a little more here. I would say they got a bit better. Their roster's better. It's hard for me to trust Garpax and Boylan that's over fair. there. So I still, I think that an interesting thing, I, I think that they could easily win more games than Atlanta just because they'll be trying to win more games than Atlanta, if that makes sense. Uh, the roster, I don't think, is as nearly as talented, but I could also see like the Hawks leaning into, again, kind of like pseudo-tanking and just not playing defense where the Bulls are going to like really try to win games and sign guys like Thaddeus Young who actually help on defense and stuff like that. But um, nothing... Nothing really meaningful here as far as the East-West dynamic. And then we can basically skip over the Cleveland Cavaliers as they did absolutely nothing in free agency nor any trades. Yeah. They did uh, uh, they did draft Garland, but then there's a weird fit there with uh, uh, Sexton. So any, what's your take on, on them? Um, I like it better because they got Beeline, which I think is a better coach than what they had going on with Mike Brown kind of being an intern coach. So I think that might be a plus, but like you said, it's a weird fit. I mean, they have seven expiring contracts and then 80 million is going to free up next year. So this is just another tank year. Yeah. One thing to keep an eye on is if Kevin Love were to be yes. moved, he could potentially be moved to a team in the West and that would be unfortunate. Um, I think he's probably a little bit more likely that he's traded to a team in the West than the East, just based on how much firepower you need to compete uh, over over here. But do you think that Cleveland has to send assets to get off that contract, or is it the other way around? Uh, I think that um, I, I think that they could probably get something for him. For I, okay. I think it's a bad contract, but I also think the wrong team can overpay for him and it, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I heard on the Zach Lowe podcast, they had mentioned that um, this white side trade might be a precursor to that. Okay. Uh, potentially that's a type of move they, that wasn't sourced or anything, but they, they threw yeah. it out there. It's like you get yourself an overpaid center on a one year deal. Then maybe you throw in a first round pick and grab uh, Kevin Love, turn that into Kevin Love. So, yeah, the team that I had heard just thrown around as an idea was um, was Portland. So that's exactly what I was thinking when I saw that Whiteside trade. Yeah, yeah. So they're uh, they're they're like a, just a wild card. But um, here's an interesting team: the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, interesting. Like you said, I think Reggie Jackson is the big X factor because he plays really well for about half a season and then disappears and is crazy inefficient for the rest. But what the only thing they did was they just got Markeith Morris today. That doesn't really change anything. D Rose might be a little bit of offense off the bench that you were missing, uh, but it's replacing Ish Smith. 
they didn't really move that much. I think they're still going to be around this eight seed because I do like Blake Griffin, but they just have limitations. There's only so much. I guess uh, D- Dumboyu is nice that they got from the draft, but kid's only 18. He's not going to really um, affect anything next year. So I think they stay about the same here. Yeah, that's what I thought was interesting, just that that Seiku pick, and uh, I think Kennard could get a little bit better. Yeah. And, and I, I think that... Uh, I think that Rose was actually a, a pretty decent addition for how limited their flexibility was um, as far as winning a few more games, but they're a team that uh, can fight for that eighth seed, but uh, didn't really pull anyone out of the West. And um, now, I mean, I guess I call Detroit interesting, but, but Indiana is actually super interesting. Yes. And I'm really not sure how to feel about them. Uh, the Brogdon contract I feel confident saying it's an overpay. It's $21 million, four years, 85 But they got their point guard. Um, and even then, I'm not the most confident in Brogdon as a point guard. But if Oladipo is going to have the ball in his hands when he comes back, uh, until he comes back, they got Jeremy Lamb, who I think is a nice option. He can be that spark plug off the bench when Depot is back. But losing Darren Collison, Thaddeus Young, I think their defense digressed a little bit. And they're very weird where they really just have all guards and centers. There's not really wings. Um, like you said, this is one of the harder ones to read. It's kind of interesting. I think I'm keeping them about the same spot, though. Um, they play hard. They're well coached. Missed Oladipo for about half the year last year. It's probably going to be about the same. I'm going to keep them in about that 45 win range. Yeah, similar to the the Trailblazers, actually, as far as just having this weird hole at small forward and not really addressing it for some reason. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, interesting. Yeah, TJ is an interesting oh, yeah. little little deal too. But yeah, I, they let this is this is what's important for them, I suppose, is letting Bogdanovich uh, oh, go yes. to go to the West um, to a team that is now very frightening. Yes, uh, uh, we'll get into them in a minute, but. That's not great. And then I, yeah, I don't know really what to make of the Brogdon thing. They also took Lamb from Charlotte, which is like, we didn't even mention that with Charlotte, where they not only gave up their, their franchise player, but also their only other good player. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, yeah, the, the, the Jazz are going to be scary. Uh, don't appreciate that from the Pacers, but, um, yeah, they're going to be, that's going to be a good team. It's a team that is just, they have a, they have a structure and a game plan that I don't necessarily get, but it ends up working. So uh, I'm not going to doubt them right now. They've been overachieving in years past, and if this is their plan, I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out. But and I'm interested uh, to keep an eye on Sabonis to see if he becomes available or if he actually works at the four. Right. I mean, now they've got three versatile centers, and uh, yeah, I, I it does feel like one of them could be moved. Uh, do not want to see uh, Miles Turner traded to the Pelicans or something. That would really upset me uh, because we, we really don't need more competition there. But, uh, yeah, moving on to uh, Miami, one of the craziest things, uh, they kind of – not only do they add an elite player, a relatively elite player, they also got rid of a very non-elite player in Whiteside like we mentioned – Maybe that's doing us a favor by shipping Whiteside to the West. What's your take on the on the Butler deal? I 
I think that they just had to. Like, when they found out Jimmy wanted to go, that, I mean, you take that top-tier guy. You haven't really been competing because you're a roster of mid-tier guys, but they got rid of one of my favorite players that they had in Josh Richardson. And, yeah, Whiteside's not a big deal. I think getting Jimmy boost you, I think we'll we'll see them in the playoffs, but it's still going to be one of these seven or eight seeds to me. So I think that record-wise they got a little better, and the difference is going to be that They'll win the close games this time more more likely than not because of having a closer in Jimmy. But to me, the team overall didn't improve all that much. Right. It does feel like just having a star player gets them in the conversation for the seventh or eighth seed in the East. Uh, boy, that would be nice to experience. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> that's not the situation here. But I, I kind of get it from that perspective where – you get the right guy and you're a playoff team in the East where yeah. in the West you need the right two or three guys. So, um, yeah, I, I get it. But um, did you think that the Milwaukee Bucks got better or worse? This one's interesting. I mean, I feel like saying worse is kind of easy, but I don't think that it's that much worse. I mean, 60 wins is a big feat, but you're still going to have the MVP in Giannis. You're going to have Middleton, who's the clear second and debatably the closer at times. I honestly think that losing Brogdon sucks, but I mean, he was hitting a lot of open jumpers. He had nice ball handling. Like I think Wesley Matthews is a decent addition in his place. It's not the same level of production, but a lot of it's running through Giannis and Middleton, so I don't think you got that much worse. You still brought Brooke Lopez back. Maybe they lose a couple less games, but I personally still have them as top two in the East. Yeah, agreed. I think that that people are sleeping on Bledsoe a little bit. I, I think that he's actually, uh, you know, that extension, it, it, was, it was kind of ripped a little bit at the time. Yeah. Or yeah, and I, I don't think that's a bad deal. I think that you got Bledsoe, they retained Hill, added uh, Matthews. Like, there's still some guards on that team that can do some things. I, I do think that they got a little bit worse, but um, yeah. you know, I, I again, like, I absolutely think they're they're in that top tier uh, in the East, probably with Philly, but uh, but yeah, uh, then we got. The New York Knicks, of course. And, I mean, they're getting a lot of crap because they have these high hopes of Zion, Katie, and Kyrie. I kind of like what they did with their plan B. I mean, we've talked about Julius Randle, and if someone was going to offer him that $20 million that you talked about, it makes sense for it to be the Knicks um, after striking out on the big guys. They had the money to throw around. I think they were sitting with $60 million plus, and... Randall has upside, plus he fits that young core, and I see I see the potential there. I liked that grab from them, and Bobby Portis is the same situation. The only issue is that it's the same position as well. So one of those guys playing the five, I hope it's not Portis, because when Washington tried that, Portis is just not a five. Randall maybe can do it, and then also getting another four in Gibson, and then some veterans in Bullock, Ellington. I... I like what the Knicks did. Uh, I don't think they got any better, but I think that they got nice pieces around their young guys as a plan B after striking out on the big names. It's funny because there was a few guys here that that we felt could get paid but couldn't figure out by who. 
Yeah. And the answer is the New York Knicks. That makes sense. Yeah. This is actually a nightmare for what I had hoped had ha- would happen for the Kings because I, I really did, you know, even though Dolan is, is a dysfunctional, running a dysfunctional situation over there, uh, I really had hoped that the Knicks would pull uh, a couple superstars into the East. Hey, Kawhi hasn't signed yet. Yeah, I mean, let's. Uh, I guess he would stay in the East. Yeah, well, I mean, even that, uh, even that, I, I, I just, I wanted them to like just use both those max slots to lock up guys uh, in the Eastern Conference, keep them away from uh, those precious playoff spots in the West. But didn't happen. I think that you know, I'm, I'm a little bit glad to see Randall, Randall uh, over there because I, I do like him as a player. Like I said, I, I thought he has got real upside as a 20 and 10 guy, really, uh, you know, the defense is questionable. I don't know that we'll see that improve in the New York, in New York, uh, their system, but, but yeah, I was really hoping that, that they would, uh, pull Kyrie and Durant. I mean, I guess it's actually okay that they ended up just next door, but, um, you know, it, it, yeah, it, it could have gone a little bit better. Maybe they will be the team, Next summer, I guess actually two summers from now is when they, they have positioned themselves to, to get back out on the market, but hopefully they'll do it then. Uh, maybe, maybe by that time we got some of the Kings hitting their, hitting their stride and, and, uh, and yeah, but, um, Orlando, uh, retained Vucevic. So that's interesting. Retained Ross kind of say the same, but what about, uh, their smaller moves? Do you like any of those? You know, I really like Aminu as a player. But how many power forwards do they need on this team? Like you're already playing two of them as small forwards. Your clear hole was the point guard. So I guess you're just hoping that Markel Fultz remembers how to lift his hands above his shoulders. Um, to me, like I said, I like Aminu, but they should have given that money to Sadoransky, for example. I think Sadoransky only ended up with a $5 million annually contract. They gave Aminu 9.6. To me, you could have spent that money better. I like them being bringing back Vucevic and Ross just because I think they hadn't made the playoffs in a while, similar to the Kings. I believe they were second in that drought, and that got them back there. I mean, we talked about how Vucevic is very high usage. I don't think he's going to get that opportunity anywhere but Orlando. And the contracts weren't terrible for either of those guys, but I would have liked to see them get a point guard instead of riding with Michael Carter-Williams, DJ Augustine, and Markel Fultz. Yeah, it's fine. Um, don't really know what they're doing, but Be it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. And, and then I'll also, um, we didn't mention, uh, Barrett, I don't think, to the Knicks, but, you know, I appreciate oh, yeah. the Knicks, uh, soaking up a bunch of lottery picks over the next few years. So <laughs> it's weird because even the best draft picks go to the West. Uh, the, the top four draft picks last yeah. season all went to the West. And then, of course, uh, the Pels had to win uh, the lottery this year and, and bring Zion out west, so that's going to be a real situation. But Philly now, Philly might might have improved the most, actually. You think? Okay, so Philly is very interesting to me. I think that a lot is riding on the shoulders here of Embiid to be the closer because Jimmy was very clearly that at the end of games. Um, to go through it, the most emotional move of the offseason for me was Horford going here. 
because at the beginning of the day, it really seemed like he was going to Sacramento. They were going to put that offer. I think that died about five minutes later. And then everyone thought that this mystery team didn't exist. His agent put it out. Jimmy gets traded. He instantly signs to Philly. I'm heartbroken. And they brought back Harris. And then, like we said, uh, Josh Richardson for Jimmy Butler. And they got James Ennis back. They got Ruol Neto, which uh, strengthens their bench a little bit. That was a big issue. But they feel about the same to me. I mean, they're a huge lineup. Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris at the three, Horford at the four, and Embiid at the five. Um, it, I really don't know what to make of this team. I, I feel like there's some question marks and Simmons getting that extension. Uh, I mean, I, like I said, I think a lot of it is relying on who is the closer in this. And I think that Harris could emerge as the closer over Embiid. I mean, that's a, that's a take, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I just like all these options. I, I don't know what it'll end up looking like. I think that the Butler for Richardson swap, I think that'll end up playing out fairly well. Like, they definitely lost a, a, a star player, a great initiator of offense, a great creator, great scorer, great bucket getter. But, uh, you know, Richardson fits their situation defensively. Uh, he can guard opposing point guards. He is, uh, you know, just every bit as big a, as Butler was. And, uh, you know, this, this team has just got bigger with Horford. Yeah. I like all their smaller signings. Uh, Scott, O'Quinn, Ennis, Neto. Great. I, I'm into all of that. I, here's the, here's, here's what I, what I have to say about them. You know, I think Thibel could be interesting in their defense. I mean, they're going all defense and I, it's going to be really hard yeah. to score on these guys. Uh, here's why I'll say I think they're the, the most up, the biggest upgrade here. Just looking over the list of Eastern teams. Who else would be the – I think that they got a little bit better at least. That's who fair. Else, who that's else fair. really got better? I mean, maybe the Heat. Uh, like, that's the only nah. team I can really yeah. say. I mean, you can say the Nets, but we agreed that it's it's going to be marginal probably until Durant is actually playing for the team. So, I don't know. I mean, not a lot. I know I was hoping that this would be a little bit rosier, but the East didn't really get any better. That's a fair point. I think out of the East that they probably did get better. I just don't think that this necessarily puts them over the top. I think you're very right about the defense. I mean, I've raved about Horford's defense before, but the offense is weird is that one of Horford or Embiid is going to have to be set in your screens. I mean, Tobias Harris is kind of a pick and roll guy a lot at times, and Ben Simmons definitely is. So the spacing is still going to get a little bit questionable. I mean, Horford and Embiid both can shoot but you want them involved in the offense in some other way rather than just standing around. So that's where my question marks come in a little bit. But I agree with you. I mean, out of the East, they're probably the ones that improved. Other teams might have went down a bit. um, And then some have their question marks also. Like we said, Indiana, Brooklyn, uh, injury questions there. Miami a little bit as well. And yeah, I think that they've they've got a real shot at winning – the East, uh, if they get a little bit better, because, you know, as we mentioned, I, I think the Bucks got a little bit worse. And I think that, you know, the Raptors have a real chance of not retaining Kawhi. And then, 
you know, uh, Boston may have gotten a little bit worse. Like, I don't think the Nets are certainly making the jump to the top of the East. So yeah. I think it's all there for the Sixers. It's it's all going to depend, of course, on this next team, the Toronto Raptors. I don't know if we can really even – this is an incomplete grade probably. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it all rides on Kawhi and – Anything that all the other guys are waiting for Kawhi as well. I mean, Danny Green. But I do think that Toronto is in a good spot where if they don't land Kawhi next year, most of their contracts expire and then they're very quickly into a full rebuild. So either way that there's a clear path if they do or don't land Kawhi. But like you said, it's incomplete until we know. Right. And then the the last team. uh, Yeah, another really sorry situation here. uh, The Washington Wizards. Yeah, they seem like they're taking flyers on everybody. They took a stretch of a draft pick in Rui Hachimura. And I I like them giving a chance to Isaiah Thomas after letting Sadoransky go, just because why not? And I could see them giving Boogie a chance. Um, I have to look at their cap situation a little bit closer as well. But just being able to offer Boogie that starting spot with one of his close friends in Isaiah Thomas and a ex-college teammate in John Wall. And they do still have Bradley Beal. But at this point, it just seems like you're just you're gonna take chances on some guys because nothing's going on next year. Nothing good happened for you. Yeah, definitely not better. Um, I can say that confidently. Yeah, I, um, I do really like Beal. Is the only thing, but yeah, but can, better than thirty two wins. Can, no, can he get better? Like, can he make that team better by himself? No, I don't think so. I think that he can get a little bit better, but carrying a shul- carrying the team better, no. All right, now over to the West. We're gonna do the same thing, uh, sort of surface level, and then and then we'll get into uh, more in depth, specifically where where we see the Kings falling in this. But but let's stick to the the better worst thing uh, alphabetically again. Let's start with the Dallas Mavericks. So the Mavericks pretty much, they held on to, they managed to keep Porzingis. It wasn't a qualifying offer. And then held on to a lot of their guys, Maxi Kaliba, Dwight Powell, JJ Barea, who's going to be out for a while, Finney Smith, and Seth Curry, they have on their team as well. So I see them improving just because Porzingis will have some productivity and we expect Luka to go up. Uh, into playoff level, I don't think so though. Yeah, they they didn't get any better. Um, they didn't even have their their draft pick, uh, yeah. you know. So, uh, you know that going to Atlanta actually might be a little bit of a positive here for uh, yep. for that balance. But but yeah, I, I think that they're probably waiting for uh, another uh, off season to bring in their third guy. But you know. KP didn't play for this team last year. So in terms of, I, you know, they didn't get better in free agency. They didn't get better in the draft, but they got a healthy guy coming back. So I definitely agree with you that they will be, they will win more games, but they also won't get into a, a, a place where I'm super worried about them. But yeah, I, I don't know. They're a team I'm worried about in the long run, at least. Yeah, uh, the next team here is the Denver Nuggets, and they they uh, got Murray locked up, uh, Jamal Murray long term. But that other than me. that, does it? 
Yeah, five years, $170 million. I've never been that high on Jamal Murray. Uh, maybe the consistency will come around a little bit with time, uh, but he's kind of disappeared at times. He is still really young, which is fair. But to me, the same thing as the Mavericks. They didn't add more. I know they already previously had more around them, but I do feel like they overperformed a bit last year because the defense was very impressive in the first half. Um, or they played well on defense, but I don't think that they have the potential to necessarily replicate that again this year. So I, I guess same level, but even throughout all of last year, I didn't feel like they were as good as their record. So part of me wants to say they get a little worse. I think you're opposite than me here though. Um, you know, this adds up to me. I, I'm interested to know why they haven't add, added anybody uh, because they've got space under the tax line. It's not, it's not a, you know, you know, they, they've notoriously been a little bit stingy. The, the ownership as far as spending too much, uh, they're, they're happy to go uh, fairly close to that tax line though. And, and I'm not really sure why they haven't done that. Yeah. So I've been looking at the best guys that are still available. And after Kawhi Leonard, one of the names that really sticks out to me that we've talked about is Marcus Morris. And I think he could be very interesting here. And the amount that I've been thinking for him is with what's left, he could very easily get a mid-level exception. And Toronto or Denver still has that, excuse me. And I think that he could make sense here as playing that four. You know, that's really interesting. I yeah, I, I mean, I think they probably need a little bit. But if they could get an initiator, uh, a scorer, and a creator, like someone like Michael Porter Jr., or if he just suddenly becomes what we all hope, hoped that Porter would be, that's kind of the perfect situation for them. But yeah, I mean, that that $9 million mid-level sitting right there, that wouldn't put them over the tax. Uh, it's a little bit confusing to me. I, I'd have to go back through the, the free agent list to find someone that maybe could create some more shots for them. But yeah, they may have missed out. And, and you know, they may also be banking on internal improvements, which I do see coming. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of their guys are, are pretty young. Yeah. But well, they also didn't lose anybody. They didn't gain anybody, but they didn't lose anybody. That's a sneaky, interesting story because there something more should be going on there like that like just to straight up run it back and not add anybody when they seem like they could have been a piece away uh yeah. as the two seed like why are you not using that mid-level exception so i don't know what's going on there but uh but yeah now now we got a team that oh god yeah th- this is where we're falling off a cliff here but how far is this team falling uh the golden state warriors so I think that they're still a playoff team because that seems to be a question, but I'm very worried to see them saying they're going to run a lot more pick and roll. And then the guys that are going to do that are D'Angelo Russell and Willie Colley Stein. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's concerning. And then what you have Glenn Robinson spacing the floor, but I think there is interest with D'Lo having the ball in his hands. And then maybe, you know, if Clay makes it back that he plays your three and Steph can play off ball two, you still have Draymond and Looney. Uh, that's interesting, but yeah, like you said, they definitely fell off here, but I'm still putting them in the playoffs, just not home court advantage more than likely. Yeah. Um, 
you lose Clay and you lose KD. The defense uh, is horrific. That is, yeah, just those two guys isolated. That feels like, I mean, as close as you can get to a, a 15 win, 20 win drop off from just, just two players, just half of a, a super team. Yeah. That feels massive. And then, Real quick, I'm I'm in the Bay Area for a little while here. I made a bet with a Warriors fan because they play four times Warriors Kings, right? Oh, they're getting smoked. Zach, I was I went to make a bet that whatever team wins three games, the loser buys a jersey for them. Absolutely, he wouldn't make, make the bet. I don't blame him. I don't yeah. blame him. He wouldn't make. Yeah, it. Yeah, they're scared of us now. Exactly. They Absolutely. We're gonna Fox and Buddy will each drop twenty five plus easily. <laughs> so so help me re- real quick. Remind me who moved east. Other than KD, was there any big movement to the east? Um. Well, in regards to the Warriors, Iguodala, but he's gonna get bought out. Um. Ka- no, Kyrie was already there. I don't see. Looking through everything here, I have a couple guys. Um, no. I mean, well, Alfaruk Aminu moved east just to go through guys that did, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say I, Randall. Anyone better than Julius Randall? No. So you got Katie, who will not play. Yeah. Uh, you've got Julius Randall, who, you know, is nice, but... Not amazing. Is so my question here, I'm you might see what I'm setting up. Is D'Angelo Russell better than any player uh going oh. to the East? Is he the best is him coming west, is he better than any player that went east? Is better than Julius Randle is the question. I think yeah. That is a really unfortunate realization that I'm coming yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, how good is Delo in regards to the situation he's in? And you know, do you think that by the deadline he's on a different team? Uh, I don't know that it's by the deadline. I think that the Warriors really, you know, this wasn't about fit. And, like, we can, everyone can can trash this fit. And everyone has been trashing this fit. Yeah, just losing uh, KD for nothing. Well, it's that. But to me, it's more that uh, they needed a young guy to carry this team as far as, you know, the minutes, like the load that it takes to run an offense to to actually yeah. move up and down the floor for eighty two games, uh, Curry and Draymond, they're getting old. You know, they're on the the wrong yeah. side of thirty. Like they probably shouldn't be. They can't run an offense. Uh, you know, and and Draymond's not really helping with that. Like Draymond can't run a defense by himself for eighty two games, and Curry can't run an offense by himself for eighty two games. Yeah. So. Bringing Russell in there, I think, just gives you legs. Uh, gives you a young guy to basically be like, hey, man, we're going to need you to play 38 minutes a night for 82 games. So yeah. uh, go ahead and get out there and hustle and do that. Uh, I think it's actually a nice move. Um, the fit, whatever. I'm not, like, worried about the fit. I'm not yeah. – they're no longer uh, real contenders, uh, probably, I'd say. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. but It is the biggest plot twist. It was wild. I, I don't know. This is sign and trade season. Yeah. I don't know what happened. There's been like three sign and trades ever, and they were nothing. Like they were for nobody. Uh, 
a remarkable. double sign in trades. Yeah. I, everybody was signed yeah. in trade. Butler was signed in trade. KD, like what? Yeah. Kemba, Terry. Yeah, in in my wildest dreams, yeah. I couldn't have imagined. And then like dudes like Jake Lehman got signed in trade. Like, why yeah. is someone signing and trading Jake Lehman? Just let him go. Let him go. He's Seriously. not that great. I guess like, real quick, what do you think of Collie Stein? I mean, we've talked of maybe some team trying to transform him and make him realize that he's not a unicorn like Porzingis. And I personally cannot wait for Draymond Green to just chew Willie Cauley-Stein's ear off. So one thing that I'll say here, one thing that I'm learning a little bit by being around um, these guys in the locker room, and I'm I'm getting above my own – I'm getting ahead of myself here, only being uh, at a couple of (laughs) summer league games. But but just like the vibe that I get whenever I'm talking to – other guys around there about these players is like they're they're people you know and like is is as <laughs> much as we can hate the basketball fit i can't really sit here anymore and be like man i hope willie collie stein like has a has a really shitty day <laughs> like, yeah I, you know and I, I, I don't know that i ever got there you know but i, I what i'll have to do with guys like collie stein is say that i hope it all works out I don't think that it will, but I, I okay. hope that it all works out, you know? Yeah, and I would assume that he's starting behind Looney. I mean, uh, he's going to be the backup five. I would be shocked if he was not. I yeah. I mean, I, I can get, I can go a little bit further out there than just saying I'm not sure this will work. I'll say I'm just trying to be – because you know, know it's one you of those think. things like well, I can't say so, – especially if I'm going to – Look this dude in the eyes. I, I, I it's there's Listen, like a human. We all know what you mean. Of it. We Sorry. all know what you mean. I appreciate you. I appreciate <laughs> you. But the, you know what it comes down to, dude, is like I. <laughs> if you want to hear my real thoughts, go a couple podcasts back. There you go. Uh, and I, I will say <laughs> that I thought that I think Golden State's possibly the worst fit for him because he won't do the things that he's asked like the the things that the warriors need from him are the exact things that he's been unwilling to do if they can draw blood from that stone like, thing. my favorite thing is all the warriors fans getting excited they're like oh my god i can't believe we got him for a minimum contract all the people that were praising the management after signing willie collie sign on a minimum i'm like you know even on a minimum this might be a bad idea yeah i got i got a cousin in connecticut who is a big Celtics fan and he's like uh he's like man I wish we got Colin signed and I'm like oh my god the amount I, of people I was telling to screw off when they would thought that, that he was good the, the but I'll say like that's an interesting debate like the Cantor Colin Stein debate uh it, that, I don't no, know no it's knowing your role that's that's the difference does Cantor even know his role though I, I don't know I mean I I guess Cantor at least doesn't at least he can, he can like score and put the put the you there's know. no dribble moves from Cantor like yeah I mean, he, he can score a, he's a little bit more of a creative scorer but who Cantor <laughs> yeah he, he had a nice playoff run he did he did like, he did he's a better rebounder yeah that's that's true that's I don't know true. I don't want to talk about Cantor uh, I'm not a fan <laughs> me me and my cousin Dan got into a big debate about Who's the worst defender between Collie Stein and Cantor? That's a great debate. If what a really fun wanna, one. Yeah. Well, if you really want to get into that, that's a good debate. But 
Again, great, great guy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's terrible. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'll, I'll be real about it. I think that, I think that Willie really rubbed me the wrong way. The way that he continually talked about wanting to get paid. Now, yeah. I would like to get paid too. So I'm not going to talk too much about Willie, but that's, it's just, that's the thing. Like, I hope that this is instructive to, to players. Uh, like Willie in the situation, there are certain things that that you need to do to get, do to get big contracts in the league, and and some of those things are are they're what guys like Kevon Looney do, and, and it's like if Kevon Looney had the skills and the athleticism and the like the big explosive plays that Kali Stein had, that is a guy you know, and then the the discipline of Looney, that's a guy that would get paid. But I don't know, I don't know if he'll start. I, I I don't know if he'll play much. I don't know if he'll lose minutes to Damon Jones. I, I really don't know. Now let's move on uh, uh, to the Houston Rockets who have uh, retained future MVP Austin Rivers. Oh, yeah. I'm glad that you shouted him out. Uh, no, I mean, the Rockets stayed about the same here. And honestly, I think they even underperformed in the playoffs in the regular season a little bit last year. And I think their win co- total could rise just a little bit because of that. But it's the same team they're running back. Actually, it might get counteracted also because of these trade rumors uh, that were floating around of Clint Capella being very close to being moved with them wanting Jimmy Butler. So Houston's going to stay about the same here for me. Yeah, that's fair. I I think they could get worse, honestly, uh, with Chris Paul's age just becoming a real issue. Yeah. But uh, aside from that – the LA Clippers, we got to put a big asterisk on, on yes. both of the uh, Los Angeles teams, but assuming that Kawhi doesn't go for now, cause we can say if they get Kawhi, biggest improvement, period. Yeah. Don't need to even discuss it. So let's assume they don't get Kawhi and, and address it like that. I think that they're getting screwed. Both of the LA teams and Toronto really are in a really tough situation by waiting for Kawhi because they're missing out on so many guys. Um, once the Clippers realized they lost every other big name free agent, weren't going to get a second one with Kawhi. You realize Gallo is going to stay on the team. They brought Beverly back. I like them getting Harkless in some wild four team trade. Uh, Magruder's decent as well. So, but you're still going to be looking at about the same Clippers team. One that is in regards to their roster, probably going to overperform because they play hard. They fit well and they're well coached, but they're not going to be a better team. What a flex from from Kawhi here! What an unbelievable flex! Like, to what be are like, you waiting on? To me, it's like is he still debating that it almost has to be right? I think he's just flexing on all of us. <laughs> I I really do. He's just like I'll tell you. I hope on American Independence Day he goes to Toronto. Whew. That's <laughs> uh, that's lovely. I I think that's lovely. Let's get into this for a second. What do you want him to do? It's stay in Toronto, obviously, right? Yeah, and I was liking the idea or thinking that it was likely he would do maybe a one plus one and then get himself that 10-year max next year, but it came out today. I don't remember the report uh, who it was from that he wasn't discussing two-year deals And that makes sense a bit with injury concerns, you know, it all could go out the window very quickly for him. I think best case scenario for the Kings is obviously he stays in Toronto, 
And I think that's the best situation for him too. It doesn't, LA, the Lakers would be the best team he would go to, um, or the best talent around him in regards to having three of the top five players in the league. But Kawhi really deserves to be the number one guy on a team. And the reason Golden State could make those elite guys work is because of their culture, Curry being the leader and just ultimate ball movement, unselfishness, LeBron being the leader. You don't get that same taste. It feels like. So to me, uh, Toronto makes the most sense. You run it back. You just won a championship, and it wasn't a fluke of a season. Even though the Warriors were injured, Toronto's a damn good team. Yeah, and I, I think that we can cover the Lakers in this little group here too because they basically aren't doing anything until Kawhi decides, but they did pick up Troy Daniels and Jared Dudley. Totally fine, solid moves, but. I think that the Lakers could end up with uh, Iguodala and Kyle Korver also, and potentially Jr. For sure, like they, the best buyout candidate on the market is the Lakers, the best buyout destination. So we shall see with them. But uh, I think that you know it's probably better that Kawhi go to the Lakers than the Clippers if those are the two options. I know it's a weirdly is that hot just because take. The Lakers are going to be good no matter. Yeah, that's kind of like. At least, at least the Kings have a chance to beat the Clippers in the standings. Uh, whereas, yeah, I, like, I think just from basketball point of view, though, I just like guys having their own teams when they're that good. For sure, I'm I'm speaking strictly from a in this scenario where we're trying to figure out who will fall out. Uh, yeah, the Lakers aren't falling out. Like I mean, they they're jumping the Kings. Uh, that's unfortunately that's how it is when you add Anthony Davis, right? Yeah, I guess when you're just the Los Angeles Lakers, even though your management is atrocious. Right, right. Um, so let's move on from L.A. real quick, and, and we'll get back into these these teams when we rank them all. We're just doing the West and the rankings, but uh, real quick, Memphis Grizzlies, did they get better with Ja? No, because they lost Conley. Um, I think that long-term, clearly, yes, but just for next season, I think that their win total goes down a little bit because you're not going to have a go-to guy. I mean, they had Gasol on that team for a while last year as well. Um, I do I do really, really like John Morant and Josh Jackson. And they have Brandon Clark as well, which was a very good pick uh, that late in the draft. So I think Memphis is in a better situation long-term. But next year, I do think they will be worse record-wise. Completely agree. And... It's crazy that I forgot about Conley for a second, but that's how quickly the NBA has moved yeah. in the past week. It's like, <laughs> I mean, a hundred, a hundred players have changed teams since that. But uh, I agree with everything you said. Um, they will be worse. Like, just even if Jaw is amazing, you you're not getting better with yeah. a rookie point guard. Um, love the picks though. And then Minnesota, what's going on with Minnesota? This team probably got the most screwed in the offseason, it felt like. I mean, the Knicks are up there too, but there's a reason the Knicks didn't get their guy. It really felt like Minnesota was going to land D'Angelo Russell in a sign-in trade, a sort of three-team deal, giving up uh, Jeff Teague and maybe a couple other guys as well. There was a report that they even had a deal for Wiggins ready, if that was possible. But they are never going to be picked over the Golden State Warriors in regards to D'Lo choosing his destination. Um, 
This team, I really like Carl Anthony Towns, and maybe they're better because Covington's healthy, but they're going to stay around the same here. They they really got hit hard by not landing D'Lo. Yeah, I heard those reports as well, and I'm like, that's not happening, guys, because they literally can't do that. Like, you can't move enough space off. And then we saw, like, a million sign-in trades that – involved moving space off and i'm like oh apparently they could have done that yeah uh, i read into it a lot and there was uh there was either teague and a kogi or there was uh, shoot bates diop a smaller guy and then it revolved around man i'm totally dropping the ball on the name but yeah there were like you said there was a lot of signing trades it definitely was a possibility yeah, that's so wild that that those if those moves are on the table, if if Minnesota, a team with like an absolute nightmare of a cap sheet, can just be like, hey, we're adding, uh, you know, a max guy. Like, if you can just do that now, uh, I don't even know why we're trying to like predict for agency anymore. Like, <laughs> it's just like just throw darts at a wall. Yeah, that's what it's going to end up happening. Um. Man, get, having having a strong front office is more important than ever now. It's, yes, they just got a new general manager in Gerson Rosas from Houston and instantly trying to make better moves. So I think just because of that, they are trending upwards. But just for next season, there's not going to be a jump because the roster didn't get any better in any way. Right. Well, don't count out Jake Lehman. Yeah, my <laughs> bad. Disrespectful. And actually, to I, I be actually, fair, Culver is decent as well. Yeah, to be fair, I I like the pick in Culver. I I actually like Jake Lehman a little bit. I'm being hard on him, but I I like Noah Vonley too, and I like Jordan Bell. Yeah. Like those are actually three guys that I I said that I liked at the like three million dollar range, and that's where they got them in cheaper, honestly. So, uh, well done on those little moves. I I'm I'm not I'm not going to sleep on Gerson Rosa. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now a team that has undeniably improved, uh, the Pellies. Yes. So clearly all these guys from LA, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, still keeping Drew Holiday around and then landing Jackson Hayes and coveted Zion Williamson. And then clearly it's what you saw with the Lakers young core is that they needed shooting. So they went out and got one of the best shooters of all time, JJ Redick. And traded for that Derek Favors contract to fill that center spot that was a hole. I like what the Pelicans are doing. I think that they do improve record-wise slightly next year, but I still think it's going to take time for these young guys to really make an impact. So they're headed the right direction, but next year is not their year to make the playoffs for me. Right. I... um... Maybe it was hasty by saying they've improved because, you know, I guess having Anthony Davis off your roster <clears throat> is a, is a, having Anthony Davis leave your roster is, is tough. But as well as they could have recovered from that, they've done it, you know. So all the things you said, I'm right there with you. Uh, don't think it'll be a huge jump in wins. Like I, I don't think this, t- this team is, necessarily winning 40 games next year. Uh, but yeah, like it's, if the Pelicans don't start bothering the Kings and, and nipping at their heels this year, it's going to be very soon thereafter. 
but what do you think about uh, the Thunder? This is another team that's a little bit older uh, uh, and not able to make much moves with their cap space. What do you think about them? So I have not really liked the Thunder roster. I thought that they desperately needed to add some shooting, but didn't exactly have money to be able to do that. Um, post All Star break, they only won twelve games, and I just don't see it really getting better for them. Um, I don't think that they got necessarily significantly worse either, but I think other teams taking slight jumps might put them over OKC a little bit here. So they're going to be a team to watch, but it feels, I mean, they're practically running it back. Yeah, I think they're kind of a sneaky pick to get worse. We're going to have to update all these rankings later on because maybe they still want to move Adams. I don't know. Uh, They're going to be paying a ton of money for a team that, yeah, has really struggled in the in the playoffs and a team that doesn't have probably much upside. Uh, I just I don't see how they improve by the end of the season. Uh, George and and Russ will be over thirty. I I don't I don't know how it happens. I don't think that they've got enough. They're not a prospect rich team, so they're, it's not like some guy is going to pop and become, you know, some amazing third option. So. I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it. Another team that is a a solid candidate to get worse, in my opinion, even though it might be hard to get a little bit worse, is (laughs) Phoenix. Uh, What's up with the Suns right now? Yeah, you know, I don't know if they get worse. I think that they could get a little bit better here just because some of their guys will progress. And Ricky Rubio is a very clear overplay. It's probably my second least favorite after the... Um, the Terry Rozier contract, given Ricky Rubio $17 million, I think that you had plenty of better options. Um, I think that getting Patrick Beverly, even Sadoransky, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I do think that Rubio is decent because they didn't have a playmaker. But if you want Devin Booker to have the ball in his hands, Ricky Rubio is not one to play off ball. I think DeAndre Ayton get the ball in the post a little bit more because Rubio can get it to him might be nice. But... Like you said, I mean, can you really get that much worse than 19 wins? I guess you can. I mean, Charlotte Bobcats, but to me, it's about the same here. Rubio doesn't change anything. You see the Bobcats? Let's bring yeah. that back for this team. <laughs> That's just like, yeah, we, we should just refer to them as the Bobcats now. Uh, that is grim. I, I saw a tweet earlier that, I think they said that only four players that were on the roster are actually back, or maybe f- yeah, four or five players are they actually s- locked in. Yeah, they still haven't gotten back uh, Ubre, but at this point, the market is pretty dry. That I would assume they'd get him for maybe like tw- I could see like a twelve million dollar ish. I've even heard possibilities of him taking the qualifying offer because he hates the market. Interesting. Yeah, um, that's that is really interesting. He is. He might be one of the best free agents available. I mean, what yeah. if what if Denver uh, reached out to, the, to him with the MLE? I mean, that's actually not a bad idea. We talked about kind of a a slash forward guy, yeah, who can who can get some points. But Dallas is a team that has potentially the most cap space still available. Um, after I guess LA, both the LA teams in Toronto, or both the LA teams are up there as well. But Denver has, not Denver, did I say that? Uh, Dallas has a lot of money available to them as well. 
Interesting. I I wonder if they want to commit long term to a guy like Ubre. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm losing my voice a little bit here. It's late. It's been a long day. But uh yeah, they just don't have a lot of guys that have, I mean they have torn down this team really uh obviously you got Booker, but then it's basically a bunch of rookies and guys that have been acquired through trade. Uh you know, Tyler Johnson is uh back for 19 million. <laughs> yeah. Rubio, I, yeah, like Rubio is fine, but for that money, and I actually don't like the fit very much. I, I, I I'm just, I think that he's not great, uh, and especially like he's the type type of guy that can take, can add a piece to a contending team, but I don't think he's taking like the worst team in the West and bringing them up to like the tenth worst team or something like that. I don't think he makes that kind of a difference. No, I agree with you. I just think that they had not a single good guy that I would qualify as a good passer on that team. So I guess at least having one is nice, but it's not a difference maker in any sort of way. That's a totally fair point. Um, now we can talk about Portland. We've mentioned the white side stuff. They locked up Lillard. Uh, Hood is returning. Hazonia has, is headed over and Tolliver, <laughs> who I, I actually threw out Tolliver as a guy like, this team's fine. Like they just need a stretch four. Like they need to get Tolliver. Yeah. Uh, I threw that out there and, and then they like signed him like an hour later. So what do you make of their situation? They're staying about the same here. I think bringing back Hood was nice. Losing Seth Curry. Uh, kind of sucks because I think their bench was a big deal on why they got better last year, but they're feeling about the same here. I'm curious how Whiteside does, uh, maybe just running the floor with them a little bit, but I'm not very high on him. It doesn't feel like much changed here. Um, I do think that Nasir Little is a nice get for them, but he's going to take a little bit of time because they do have that big hole at three and maybe he can eventually fill that, but that's not going to be this year. He's pretty raw. Yeah, I mean, for him to fall to 25 seems pretty surprising. I saw him consistently mocked at the end of the lottery. Yeah. So, you know, and, and <clears throat> especially if he can eventually play the three, that's uh, that's the position of need that we were talking about earlier for them. But uh, as far as gotten better or worse, I'm pretty much calling that even. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we have the Kings, who we talked about uh, we you know, in in full length uh, in our last episode on Monday, but we both agreed that they improved significantly. Uh, yes. Any, any, you just want to confirm that? Yeah, I just want to say that anybody, like so many mainstream people are saying, not mentioning the Kings as having a great offseason. And I think that it's either you didn't understand what the Kings needed or you don't understand the value of quality role players because not everybody's a star, but the impact that you can have on a team if you fill a role like what Deadman does perfectly can be major. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and I don't blame guys on a national level because it's very hard to keep a close eye on 30 different teams. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, I get it, but but the whole like wow they let they let Cauley Stein walk f- to a minimum contract just to add Deadman like, and, I'm anyone, like uh, anyone who's saying that is out of their mind yeah but I will say that most most of like the 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 better national coverage guys they at least acknowledge that uh, 
you know, Deadman's a nice piece. That yeah, that Joseph's a nice piece. There's some debate on Ariza. I've, I've seen Ariza uh, trashed a little bit just as a guy who uh, is too old or whatever. And and I I get that just as far as he had a bad year. But again, I mean, what do you really want from him on on the Wizards and the Suns? So I'm happy to give him a try. I think that people actually like Holmes too. Holmes has a really nice reputation around the league. So. I'm very excited about these things. And, and it's sometimes it feels a little bit lazy to just be like, okay, the, they didn't get a superstar, so they had a bad offseason. Uh, that's, that's where I get frustrated because if you're not actually looking at the specific players and the specific fit, it's, it is frustrating. But um, anyone on a local level knows and agrees this was a great offseason for the Kings, and they 100% will get better. Um, Yes. Yes. Uh, It's going to be a question of, is it enough to make the playoffs? And and we got two more teams here just to quickly touch on before we we rank our teams in the West and predict uh, the final standings. But let's go to the Spurs real quick who didn't do much, right? They didn't, but I do really think that Damari Carroll is a perfect Greg Popovich guy. And they got a nice draft pick in Keldon Johnson. So I think San Antonio is staying about the same. But if you're staying the same in that tier of fighting for an eight seed, some teams got better. So it's a little questionable on their playoffs. But you don't want to quit at the same time. It's Greg Popovich, San Antonio Spurs. So you would think that they outperform what their roster is a little bit, as usual. I guess the question for them is, are the guys that come back healthy, are they going to add a bunch of value to this team? Because DeJounte Murray... yeah. Is a guy a I, I liked a lot uh, before his ACL. Uh, yeah. And then – or was it ACL? Yeah, it was. <clears throat> and then uh, as well, you know, Lonnie Walker didn't get to play much. I think a lot of that was related to an early season injury. But if they get something out of those guys, which they always tend to do, or if they have some random second-round pick uh, or late first show up and just – Oops, like he's really good. And like that's that's like what the Spurs do. Uh, you can set your watch by it. So it's hard to guarantee they won't be as good. Uh, but it feels pretty much the same to me. Um, I mean, your leaders are LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. And are they getting any better? I mean, no. No, they aren't. And they're actually like, I feel like they're both really they both struggle you know they both had bad years it's it's Popovich that's keeping that team afloat I think that they're both trending down those two stars but uh and then you know last but like incredibly far from this is my most interesting this is my most improved right here it's the Utah Jazz yeah and starting with the big signing Jeff Green I mean it's just perfect (laughs) (laughs) but I like it. Hey, we'll, we'll oh, get into that you, in a second. I thought you were going to say Emmanuel Moutier. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to disrespect or anything. But getting Bojan Bogdanovich, and I do think that they paid a whole lot of money for him. Um, I'm trying to find the contract here. It's four years, $73 million, 18.2 per year. It's an overpay for Bogdanovich, but especially for the second best Bogdanovich in the league. I mean, I just don't see it. But their <laughs> offense... Uh, having Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich at the 3-4 is a major upgrade. And bringing Mike Conley onto this team, plus you get a little bit 
in your second unit with adding Jeff Green as your four, Ed Davis as your five. Um, maybe Moutier can play a little bit of that backup point with Ruol Neto gone, but I, I think Utah is going to be so interesting. They still have defensive capabilities and obviously the defensive player of the year reigning two-time defensive player of the year. Mitchell's a good defensive player. I've seen Conley praised as an elite defender, and I don't see that, especially now, but the defense is still going to be there, and their offense could jump top five this year. I I like Conley a lot. Uh, I've always liked his defense, but he's not, you know, he's not on that elite level, but uh, you put him in a system like Utah's, I think that he'll be just fine on defense. I'm not worried about that. Um, you know, Ed Davis is a nice signing. It's a guy that we liked a lot. Um, you know, moving on from favors, right? Like, you know, you can call that a wash, I guess. And, and Bogdanovich, you mentioned, is an overpay. I think that's a, a totally fair deal. Uh, Utah's also not a big free agent destination. So that's true. That's it. I think for me, that's, that's a really good value. Uh, and I think that he adds that. I mean, I guess they added two new scorers, but but you you they wanted another forward that could score. I think that was their main uh, that was their main target. Uh, you know, maybe it would have came in Miritich perhaps if he had not yes. gone back to Spain. But hey, hell of a job for them if they if their guy was Miritich and then Miritich spurned them and they went and got the other like perhaps the other best forward option available. A bang, like absolute bang, like to, to recover from that and, and get another guy that can do a similar thing right there. Uh, I like Bidenovich a lot. I'm impressed by that. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm worried about the Jazz. And actually, this, Agreed. this is a fantastic transition into our rankings and projections of, uh, the top 15, or I mean, that, that's a dumb thing to say, but the order in which the order in which Phoenix, the 15 top teams, 15. That's fair. They can <laughs> take that to the bank. But it's a, this is a fantastic transition because I have the Jazz number one in the West. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can get there. I, I put them two. Um, and, no, I'm still I'm gonna come around with you here because my list is constantly rotating. I'm gonna agree with you and put Utah one here. I had Denver one, just regular season because it's very different playoffs and regular season. But in regards to, I mean, were you ranking regular season standings here, right? Yeah, for me, this is my best attempt to see. If the Kings can make it in, who are they God. really competing against, right? I think that's the – maybe I should have explained this more at the top two for listeners, but uh, this is for me – I'm trying to put these these teams in order so so I can see, hey, is SAC a top eight team? Uh, you know, who would the Kings have to, to, to move ahead of in order to get into a playoff spot? So this for me is regular season for sure. Yeah. Okay. I – um. You know, I'll come out and say it. you're not you're not going to agree with me, but I actually had Houston as my one for the regular season. Okay, I, I'm not going to fight you on it. Uh, I I do not have them here, and it's because uh, I worry about how old and how how badly injured Chris Paul perhaps might be. How how yeah. every year he's got you know missing twenty games. Uh, 
perhaps more like it, it, anything can go wrong. He got hurt again in the, yeah. you know, in the postseason, And then on top of that, all the chemistry stuff, uh, they are, I'll give you a little teaser here. They're not in my top three. So, which is uh, justifiable. I mean, there's a lot in the air uh, with this next year. Yeah, yeah. So I actually broke these these uh, teams down into tiers as well. And not only are they kind of ranked uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever, uh, or like tier one, tier two, tier three. I have them kind of kind of named. Where Utah is my my number one, and there's a second team in here. You mentioned it. Uh, it's Denver for me, number two. And this tier for me is like, they've got everything. They've got vets. They're, they, they're deep. They got young guys. They're going to turn, you know, improve internally. Uh, you know, Utah and Denver, are my one and two. Yeah, I'll have, I put Houston one and then I'll have Utah Denver as my two, three. Okay. Um, so, and then here I've got a big chunk of, of teams three, four, five, six, seven. And this mm-hmm. is, this is the tier of teams that I know it's a really broad tier. And, and I'm just going to tell you the name of the tier and I'll go through it with you. But this tier, I just call uh, the superstar tier. So every one of these teams has a superstar or two. Uh, most of them too like one and a half superstars at the least. And that's, and that's why I think that I'm putting them at least in the mix for a playoff spot. So I'll just read the names off the Lakers, the Rockets, yes. uh, OKC, Portland, Golden State. Those I really struggle to, to separate, but right now I've actually got it. Number three, the Lakers, number four, the Rockets, five, Golden State, six, Portland, seven, OKC. Okay, so I'm close with you here. The only team I have in a lower tier is OKC, just because I don't really have the faith in their offense. I think the shooting is lacking, and their defense still has question marks too. Um, I think, like I said, they only won 12 games after the All-Star break. They were worse than 500. Uh, I just don't have the same faith in OKC, but I like what you did with having a superstar. I think that that puts you on a different level than teams that don't clearly. Um, and to go through my order, like I said, I had Houston one, Utah, Denver fourth. I have the Lakers. Um, and then I put golden state right after and then Portland and I have OKC a little later, but like I said, uh, Lakers at four golden state at five Portland at six. Gotcha. I think that's interesting. We've got those teams in order as well. Uh, and I really struggle to put Portland below the Warriors at times. And yeah, I struggle both ways because every time I doubt Portland, they end up with like a three seed. <laughs> I have it's, so many like arrows and names scratched out and moved. Like this was very difficult. Yeah, but I, I like that. It seems like we're pretty close on the same page here. The full name of the tier for me was superstars, but super thin. And that's the that's the thing with these teams, yeah. like all of them: Lakers, Rockets, Warriors, Trailblazers, Thunder. One of these teams, I think, will have an injury or some bad chemistry or bad luck, and they will fall like a rock. And that's that's what I'm banking on for the Kings here. But I'm gonna guess you got OKC as the start of your next tier. 
I think in regards to they are in that tier, but I do have OKC out of the playoffs. I mean, the next tier I have is the in, in not in order. I have the Kings as part of this tier, but then the Spurs, Clippers, Thunder, and Timberwolves are very fringe. Okay, interesting, interesting. Um, so you had what was it? The Kings, the Spurs, the Clippers, kind of all teams that were fighting for that eight spot. And then I have the Thunder in there as well. We'll leave Minnesota for the next year. So that that's fighting for the seventh and eighth spot for you, right? Because you've only got that six, is, six yes. teams ahead. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. So that actually, if you kind of do the translation where I believe that one of those superstar teams will fall out of it, this is what I think Sacramento, I think they're in this mix as well, where – Seven to ten, that's that's where the Kings are going to land, I think, you know, between the seventh and, and tenth spot. And I have the same exact teams. I I think that it's the Spurs, the Clippers, and the Thunder. Those are the three teams to focus on. Yeah. And then I actually definitely don't have the Timberwolves. <laughs> Let me be clear. I, I, I am ready to to go off on, on that. No, I got nobody. Th- okay. This is This is the group for me. That's fair. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Spurs, I just have a, Spurs. I, I have a thing for Minnesota. Um, I, I've just always really liked that team. And I have faith in Carl Anthony Towns and some of the other guys come around like Culver. Um, but I guess to go in the order that I have is I played it a little optimistic here. And everything's on the shoulder of the young guys, like we've always said. But I have Sacramento in my seventh spot. And then I have... This was very hard to choose between San Antonio and LA, but I, I wanted to put the Clippers. I, I'm going with the Clippers at eight, even though it's very hard to put Popovich out of the playoffs. But I'm going Sacramento seven, the Clippers at eight, San Antonio at nine, and my biggest surprise for me, I put OKC at ten. I don't hate that at all, man. I, I think that there's like a real concern with OKC, but for me, I put OKC seven. San Antonio eight. Okay. Just because I can't bet against Popovich no matter how hard I try. Yeah. Sack nine, Clippers ten. And listen, here's the thing, how dude. Like dare you. Here's the thing, dude. I slept on them last year. I, I thought they'd be the fourteenth team in the West, and they ended up ninth. So, you know, I think they're the ninth team this year. I hope they end up fourth. Like, great. Like, do it. Prove me wrong. I, I would love that. As of right now, I can't put them above Popovich. But like I said, I think one of those superstar tiers will, you know, that's just how the numbers break up eventually. Someone gets bad luck, and that's where I think it happens, where some team just has an unfortunate injury. San Antonio slides up to seven. The Kings grab the eight seed. Yeah, hopefully. I feel like you're just backtracking here a little bit because you remember this is a Kings podcast. Man, I got to be real about it. I just – I. I can't. Uh, no, I understand. I can't. I mean, yeah. it, it's just a tier, though. You know, it could go anywhere. No, you're right, and and I do think that if any year is the year where the strength of the conference catches up with pop, it's probably this year. Like we yeah. said, Aldridge and DeRozan. I don't see. I mean, they're just not I, this era. I I, I see a, a very real scenario where Fox and Bagley are better than those guys. So you know, I'm. I really do feel that. So yeah. I think that's coming very fast. Are you currently paying off student debt? 
Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. So, and then another group of risers here, but I put this category as just need a little more time. I got three teams here. I think we got Pelican, Pelicans, Dallas, and Memphis. Uh, oh, wow. No, 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 no. Switch Memphis and Minnesota and I'm the same as you here. Yeah, no, Minnesota's trash, bro. I'm being real about this. Like, I have no problem seeing Minnesota uh, finish above Memphis. But, again, I tried to group these into, like, the type of team that they are. So, Memphis, Dallas, and, and New Orleans, those teams are on the come. You know what I'm saying? Like, those teams are getting better. Uh, it may not be this year, but the Pelicans, the Mavericks, and Memphis, they're going to be nipping at the heels. So, yeah, it may take a little more time, but... At the very bottom of my tiers here, Minnesota and Phoenix is my it's my WTF wow. tier. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, Rosas may pull some stuff out of a hat, but I have no faith in this roster as currently constructed. It's Car Anthony Towns and a bunch of nobodies. Yeah, and I understand um, a lot of what I was thinking of, of is if Covington is healthy – they were a very different team when Covington was on the floor. I think that's a nice piece. I like a Kogi coming into his own a little bit. I still think Teague is productive if you bring back Chias Jones. And I really like Jared Culver. But I understand what you're saying. Um, I could justify them putting them at the bottom of that tier that you had. But or not in that 14-15 tier, though. For me, my order, I had Minnesota 11. Actually, I'm sorry. I told you I have a bunch of arrows here. I switched that. I put Dallas at 11, Minnesota 12, and then New Orleans 13. Because to me, those guys still need time to develop. And it's a completely young team in New Orleans. Aside from Thaddeus Young and J.J. Redick. I'm sorry, Derek Favors and J.J. Redick. I just don't see it from Minnesota. I'm I'm not going to bank on Culver being great out the gate. I'm I'm not gonna bank on a Kogi uh, making a huge jump. I mean, I think he's a more of a defensive specialist. Covington's a nice piece, but I don't. I just you know where is the where is the the other guy for Towns? We talk about needing two players in the West. I don't know who. The, I mean, hopefully it is Culver for their sake, but I think that it's not this year. Uh, and I and their cap sheet is such a nightmare. Yeah. that I think it takes just longer. If I had to bet who finishes with more wins, Minnesota or Memphis, I'm definitely taking Minnesota. So I, I guess I fudged this in order to get the groups to feel more like young and coming up versus like, what are you doing? I understand uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess my argument is that Cat is the closest thing to an all-star out of all of these teams or a superstar. Um, and I, he still has work to do to get there, mainly on the defensive end, but I'm just very high on Kat as a player. So does this, do you think that they get worse from last year at 36 wins? I think it's about the same. 
Yeah, I think they get worse. I do. Okay. I just Wiggins is there, just dragging the team down, <laughs> like yeah, pulling everything down with him. Terrible contract. I I just I don't know. I I mean, maybe they're a little bit better, but I until they get a point guard that's like really going to do something. D'Lo would have been the the piece, you know. Yeah. So maybe they trade for D'Lo. You know, maybe that's been speculated on that Golden State is willing to move on. But I think that probably happens next year or maybe it happens at the deadline, but it feels too late to get them back in the mix at that point for a playoff spot. So, so I don't know, but at least we all agree. Uh, the Phoenix Suns are dead last. I have Memphis dead last. Bro, what? All right. We can't even I get do. together on I this. I do. And I, right. I just have Phoenix barely better. It's because I think that Aiton takes a jump. And uh, I actually, this is so weird to say, I actually liked Phoenix's defense towards this uh, later half of the year. And I like, I mean, Memphis, I totally agree with your justification of putting in that next year because they have that path to improvement. They're up and coming. But just for next year, I think Memphis is going to be the bottom. You know, I, I actually agree with you. I will, I will come with you there because that all adds up. I just believe in Memphis long term. So yeah. it's more like, I guess I missed, did something wrong here where I feel like this is more, how do I, how will I feel about these teams this year versus how many actual wins will they put on the board? And what because you have is probably more important, to be honest. This, I went a little more long term, but, but, I guess what I'm saying, as far as the purpose of this podcast is to put the you know list the teams that don't matter to the Kings. Who's below? And, and I think we both agree: Minnesota and Phoenix. I'm not tripping. Memphis. I'm not tripping. Yeah. Dallas and and New Orleans. I think they need another year. Uh, but the, I'll be tripping on them next year. But uh, yeah, it's really it's I think OKC, San Antonio, and and the LA Clippers. As long as they don't get Kawhi. That's those are the teams right there. That's that's who we got to target. Agreed. And then honestly, even that tier that you had above them of having a superstar, there's a chance that some of those fall out. Like I had OKC doing it, uh, but you mentioned if there's injuries or chemistry issues, OKC was my pick for that. But you could see Golden State really struggling with D'Lo and Willie Cauley Stein is your new two man game, or maybe one of the Portland two big guys gets injured, they fall down. Houston, like you talked about with Chris Paul, there's a chance that one of these teams miraculously falls out of the playoffs and there's another spot as well. But I do agree that, I mean, generally we're going to be fighting with practically the same teams as we were this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do think that you're you're right on the money where like, especially the Warriors, if Curry misses a big chunk of the season, yeah. uh, you can you can go ahead and knock them into maybe below the, the, the sack Kings. And, and that, that feels like, you know, it feels like that could easily happen. So yeah, uh, let's see, man. And, and yeah, I, I'm pretty excited uh, to see how everything shakes out. It still feels crazy to do all this without Kawhi knowing where he's going, but yeah. you know, let's just pray he stays East. Yeah. I mean, I, a couple years ago, I had a friend that just started watching basketball. I think that it was the season that, KD went to the Warriors and every year he was just like, man, this guy sucks here. He should just request to get traded or he should go to a different team. And I'm like, dude, that just doesn't happen. 
And sure enough, every year since he started watching, there is wildness every single year. This offseason changed the entire landscape of so many different teams. Throughout the season, there will be even more changes. Like the NBA has changed into this crazy like drama, and it's just the most entertaining thing. I'm having so much fun with this. And I'll say to that point, the Kings are doing something special here by building a group of guys that really feels like they want to be here because yes. this is the David strategy to the Goliath stuff that we see with Brooklyn and, and LA and, and unfortunately not the Knicks for them, but that's what you can do with the big market is you can just, Hey, you know what? We're going to go make ourselves super available to whatever super superstar will come here and we'll just cater to them. The Kings have had to approach this in a very different way and they've done a fantastic job getting the right pieces and and creating a culture where, you know, I guarantee you Fox and, and Buddy and Bagley and Giles and Bogey, these guys, these guys like each other They and, and they want to be teammates with each other and they want to stay in the city. They like the city. The city, I know, loves yes. them. So, you know, there's a chance that they could create something special where, you know, maybe these guys don't want to go – jumping around and like being all crazy and doing signing trades and stuff, you know, and th- that's the real hope of this, this team and this city for the future. Agreed. I mean, you mentioned it. Like, it seems like these guys all love each other. I mean, love is a strong word. seems like these guys all enjoy each other and seeing that happen. Love is not a strong word in Sacramento. It's love true. Is, it's that's, true. That's the I, truth. I do love these guys. I, that is, That is fair. But seeing all of them at summer league of, it was, the starting five, even Deadman was there today, and you see Bogey there, you see Giles there. I mean, everybody going to every single summer league game that was at the California Classic, them joking around, jumping up after great plays from the summer league guys. I mean, having a core that wants to play together is just, I'm already so amped and excited for next year. I got giddy just watching the summer league games where maybe only three of these guys are even going to be on the roster next year. But like you mentioned, I mean, it, it is such a great feeling right now. I'm so excited. Yeah, man. Let's do it. I believe in this team. Yep. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of the Kings Bulls podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening. We will have a Summer League recap coming in a few days with a guest as well, so stay tuned for that, and thank you to everybody for listening.